Hey folks, this podcast goes beyond the saddle as we explore professional careers across the equine industry. I'm your host, Katie Kleinbell. Let's tack up and head out. This episode of Beyond the Saddle is brought to you by Dressage Today On Demand. And today we're featuring photographer, videographer, and content curator, Amy Jergu. Amy has been documenting the equine industry for the past 25 years. Located in Eastern Pennsylvania, she is minutes from eventing, dressage, and show jumping Olympians. Her work covers everyone from the beginner lesson rider to those who have represented their country to a pair being accepted in the Century Club. She spent 20 years working in daily journalism, rode the hunters in equitation through intercollegiate and college, and still considers herself a rider, even if she only gets on for an hour a year. Amy, thank you for joining us today. Um, I've heard a lot about you from all my coworkers, so I'm very excited to get to know you and get to talk to you today. So thanks for coming on the podcast. Oh, you're welcome. I hope I'm as uh, interesting as uh, has been previewed. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, we can start off on an interesting foot. So before this episode, before we recorded, I asked you to prepare two truths and one lie about yourself. So go ahead and read those. And I'm going to try to guess which one is your lie. Oh, no, about myself. Uh, I had a I had a ringer in there. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, I swore I would never have a job that involved computers. I love summer, and the ringer would be uh, lacrosse is the national sport of Canada, though I should say national uh, summer sport of Canada now. Oh, gosh. Well, everyone loves summer, so I'm going to toss that one out. (laughs) I'm going to say that your lie is you never thought you'd have a job with computers. No, actually, it's that I love summer. (laughs) You don't love summer? No. I hate hate sweating. Fair enough. Although it is so stinking cold across the whole country right now that like, I think everybody is disagreeing with you. (laughs) Well, considering I haven't shoveled my driveway yet. um, Yeah, I'm there might be a little bit of an asterisk on that one. Um, And uh, it is snowing again. So uh, yeah, Uh, you know, the joys of I grew up outside of DC, and it's very humid. And I guess I should say I hate humidity. So uh, warmth (laughs) is not bad. But uh, yeah, humidity, don't enjoy it. I don't blame you at all on that front. T- talk to me about lacrosse. Why'd you throw that one in there? Do you have a lacrosse history or background? Uh, well, I did. I did play. Uh, I was the only girl on a like county rec league. Um, you know, back in the the day. Yeah, no, not no real lacrosse. Uh, I enjoyed photographing it. I worked for a newspaper for twenty years, so um, I enjoyed photographing it. But yeah, just random. I I like random trivia. <laughs> well, and you are a photographer, and you do all the things. So um, you have you're forced to work with computers. But it sounds like I, maybe you weren't hoping to. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, well. Let's see, third, fourth grade. We had to copy code to uh, make some sort of little like snowflakes fall around a little snowman made of X's or something. And maybe I should have thought that it was, uh, I don't want a job that involves typing because, you know, to this day, my typing is subpar. Hey, we all have what we're good at and I am terrible <laughs> yeah. behind a lens. So <laughs> there you have it. Well, let's jump into your job. Amy, in your own words, can you tell us what is your job? I started as a photographer. It's been an interesting ride being that I started in the... 90s in college um, and uh, as a failed biology major it was my art credit and I did seem to grasp the concepts you know so I changed my major and and um, I worked for a newspaper or a group of weeklies and then a daily paper for 20 years in total and in that time we went from 
processing black and white film by hand and hand printing half tones to be you know waxed into you know the pages that were being stripped up you know to digital to websites to you know shooting video shooting and editing video and so i guess the thing that runs through that is that it's it's storytelling um in some way shape or form um whether it be written you know in a caption or um visually can you give us like a short list of the events you've gone to like the people the equestrians that you photographed and been a part of telling their story uh yeah. Um, so I'm based in eastern Pennsylvania, which is very nicely centrally located to, you know, for the English sports. I'm 10 minutes from Olympians from all three disciplines, which is really convenient professionally. You know, I've covered the World Equestrian Games. I've covered World Cup. You know, my first rodeo was Cheyenne, which was fun. Um, I still don't know how healers do their job. I have yet to figure that out. It's, I, <laughs> I spent a lot of time watching Team Rope and going, well, how does this happen? Still fascinating. So yeah, it's uh, a little bit of everything. I tend to stay domestic just because, you know, I'm funding up myself and uh, there are a lot of photographers out there and making it, you know, something like the Olympics pay for itself is really difficult. The budget limits things like that. Fair enough. <laughs> well, we're very fortunate to be able to work with you um, on client projects, but also for Practical Horseman and Dressage today um, and just utilizing your talents and, and your relationships to cover so many events for us. So we are thankful to have you sort of in our back pocket. I greatly enjoy it. There's nobody at the Equine Network who I dislike working with and uh, it's always an adventure. Always, always. <laughs> always. <laughs> Can you walk us through a typical day at an event? Sure. Well, um, so there are I wear a couple different hats. I do my editorial, you know, I have my editorial work, which is sort of like, say, uh, you know, World Cup or WAG or whatnot. And they all have different clients. Like if we're practical, it was like daily coverage of whatever was happening that day. And then, you know, I have some commercial clients who sponsor riders. Um, and then I also cover um, a number of horse trail series that where I'm the vending photographer. So I have a group of people who who help me and it's planning where what people are shooting and and who's who's covering what you know phase of show jumping or, or cross country or dressage if it's a cci so it's uh, there's a little bit of everything um and back to not having a job that involves computers uh yeah, every day involves computers. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, pandemic has let me catch up on a lot of uh, archive images that uh, that have not been keyworded or sorted or whatnot. So yeah, a lot of computers. There are a lot of cables and drives and things all over my desk. All the technology. <laughs> all the technology. Do you do all three? Like, do you wear all three of those hats at a given time? So you're doing like editorial coverage and commercial coverage and you're kind of like the vending photographer? Oh, yeah. Does that happen? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That sounds like chaos. <laughs> no, it's, I mean, it, you know what, it, it, they all sort of come together at some point. Um, you know, I know if there's a particular rider that I'm concentrating on that I might shoot a little more candidly of than I would shoot for just for everybody. It doesn't really change how I shoot. So um, that makes it easier. Sure. Um, well, great. That gives us sort of a flavor of an event day. Can you walk us through what a typical day looks like at a like client photo shoot? It depends on the client and what they're 
looking for beforehand. There's usually a discussion of what they want. I have been flown out <laughs> to California for a, a shoot that uh, the photographer who was contracted broke her ankle on the shoot. So oh, no. I so uh, I had no preconceived knowledge of what actually was happening. So uh, I do enjoy a good uh, fly by the seat of my pants kind of shoot. But you know, for the most part, we've we've discussed what we're looking for. We have some sort of game plan of what uh, shots they they want. You know, nowadays there's most people are looking for something for an advertising campaign, whether it be digital or print, and then social media content. So it's grab what you want. And we we just did a shoot for Nutramax through the Equine Network with Philip Dutton, and so it was a day at his place in uh, Wellington, Florida. We were simulating the three phases of eventing. So we had a, started off show jumping, and so you know, had a bib and. and number and and you know turned out and braided and whatnot so and i mean it's nice to be able to take and choose what fences we want to concentrate on you know light background uh how the horse is jumping so uh and that was shooting in conjunction with the, the video team so just being able to you know what they're they're getting and and staying out of their way and and vice versa that's kind um, of fun to work in tandem yeah, actually, it is. That group and I have worked together a number of times, and, and uh, it's really gelled quite well. It's most enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like a photo shoot, right, gives you a lot more control over what you want to get versus covering the event. Like, you just got to get all the shots, right, and just try to be everywhere and get as much as you can. But the photo shoot, you've got more of that. You know, how do we want to change it? Yeah, event coverage, you do wish that cloning had been advanced further than it has, but I do a lot with remote cameras, so it's, you know, they're fixed, but I can get different perspectives, and a lot of times I work with, say, like on cross-country, the fence judges or, uh, you know, a friend, spectator, somebody to fire them so I can move around the course, and then I will say no in air quotes that I have the shot from from those cameras um but they are definitely the cherry on the whipped cream on the icing on the cake because you know if there's something that can go wrong it will go wrong and there are many things that can go wrong <laughs> so i'm sure um, <laughs> when they work uh you you can find people me in particular you know dancing around like an idiot uh <laughs> but there's also a lot of cursing <laughs> Well, you just exceeded all of my technical, you know, knowledge. Like, I have no <laughs> idea how all that works. That sounds magical to me. Like, <laughs> I, I saw your eyes glazing over. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Do you have a common misconception that people have about being a photographer? And can we bust it? Bust it. I've never really heard it as a misconception, but it's a general feeling of, oh, wow, horses. Horse people have money. You must be rich. You know, you're your print, just basically printing money. Um, and, <laughs> I wish. Uh, <laughs> I know, exactly. No, that's not the case. I mean, sure, I guess horse people have money and or they choose to spend the money they have on horses. I, you know, that's is what it is. It's a job like anything else. You know, it's pouring rain days and, you know, I can hope for snowy days, but uh, it's a lot, you know, it's, it's any other photography job. It's, you know, you need to be a self-starter and promote yourself, which is the worst part <laughs> for me. Sure. It's tough. It can be tough, but your work speaks for itself. So no, you've got it, that covered. I like a, a, a humorous moment. <laughs> yes. Your behind the scene photos are my favorite. Oh, thanks. <laughs> 
oh, there's so many that never happened or never have never been taken. I have more memories of the things I've missed than the uh, things I've taken. Well, can you share with us your most memorable moment behind the lens? Well, I nearly got run over by um, uh, Arizona Cardinals football player. Oh my gosh. Yes, I could have been the highlight of the week. I have been hit by football players. I have, I got hit by an official. That was Ooh. fun. Um, oh, yeah, that was fun. I missed the first quarter getting my nose packed. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't get knocked down. So uh, the uh, head coach was very impressed that uh, that I took my hit and bled a bit. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and protected your camera while you were out. Uh, it never really, that lens never really quite worked as well as it ah. did before then, but it, it, <laughs> that, the Nikkor lens took a, uh, took a beating. <laughs> Alas, no, I've never seen footage of that. I did nearly get run over um, by a horse in Florida. That is on video. If you uh, YouTube, so you want to be an equine photographer, that would be me. Wow. Um, yeah, it, it is in slow motion. And I do have the sequence of shots, like the first, I think it's three or four strides. And uh, in real time, it's it's a bit scary. I still get the adrenaline hit of it. I can remember everything that went through my head through that sequence. And I can't say it anywhere near as quickly as it happened. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Well, that leads me to my next question, which is, what's the sketchiest thing you've ever done to get the shot, quote unquote? Sketchy. Um, I'm not going to do something illegal, but um, like I've climbed the ladder on fire trucks. It's an old steel town. And some of the trees from the World Trade Center, the metal pieces that stayed standing after 9-11 were uh, milled here. And one of them was brought back to the foundry, I guess it is, a number of years ago. And it was a you know, big parade and, and uh, there's a museum being built around it and sort of the history of steel in Coatesville. The fire companies had done a arc over the street with a giant flag hanging between the two baskets. And uh, someone said, hey, you want to climb up? And I said, sure. So... You know, got strapped in and hung out the side of the basket to shoot the flag over top of the trees. And actually turned out really, really quite well. <laughs> but what? completely unplanned. Back before uh, the legislation changed, uh, I mean, I went on a drug raid in my my first year at the paper. Um, and I was in the house before they had cleared it. So, yeah, there's some, you know, and, and then being, you know, run over by horses and whatnot. So. Living life on the edge. Uh, you know. <laughs> I've seen some things. <laughs> yeah, I'll say. I really, I wish, I know it's audio, but I wish there was some way that I could just like cut to that footage of this. So you want to be an equine photographer? So yeah, you can put the link it. in. I'll send it to you. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh my gosh. Always keep your eye on the horse. Even when you're not shooting, <laughs> know where the horse is. To this day, if I hear hoofbeats where they shouldn't be, like if I'm on cross country, I will whip my head around because you never know. And I do think that horses on loose horses do seem to come to me at speed. I don't know if there's something about me that looks very cuddly. They're like a magnet. They're jaunty. <laughs> it is. Uh, yeah, I guess it's my equine magnetism. <laughs> Lucky you. All the road courses come to Amy. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Stop. Oh, my gosh. Well, you talked about your journey sort of in the beginning. Let us know sort of, you know, where your education started and how you sort of ended up there. Um, but I'd love to know more about kind of what was your journey and how you got to be like the amazing photographer that you are today. 
being in the right place at the right time. My advisor in school, because I, I didn't photograph in high school or before college, I knew I wanted a job that didn't involve computers, sitting in an office. Hmm. Oh, I've done well with that. Uh, <laughs> but and being outside. And my advisor, my college advisor said, you know, if you're enjoying this photography thing, which I literally just took as my art class. And there was someone who, who was repeating the course because they couldn't grasp that if you turned the camera vertically, you didn't get pictures of people laying on their sides. Weird. Honest to God. Oh, yeah. Honest to God. So, yeah, I'm grasping this, but those organic chemistry bonds is, are not uh, coming to me very naturally. I've sworn I will take it organic before I die just to prove to myself that I could get through it. So he said, you know, maybe, you know, like photojournalism sounds like you know, something up your alley, but you should get a, at least a writing minor. So my major is liberal studies with double minor in instructional media and journalism. It's That's been a, a mouthful. long time since I've said that. <laughs> but it got you started. It got you off on the right foot. Yeah, it was, that was invaluable. And actually my first, my first job out of school was predominantly writing for a, you know, a monthly and did some photography for them. Actually looking back on it, my very first thing I wrote was interviewed and wrote was um a story about an inventor who was killed in a rotational fall and that was you know 94 or 5 so you know it goes back that far uh and you know i called the mom and had a very nice note from publisher who was he was the i think editor at the trentonian in new jersey old hard school newsman and i had this very nice note on my desk the first day i walked into work and said you know here's your number call her she's either going to hang up on you or you know you won't be able to get her off the phone and you know I called and she was very accepting. And by the time I was done, she was offering me the kid's horse. So <laughs> it was, okay, I guess that works. But yeah, so I, I don't use my writing nearly as much. Um, it's not my love. But when I was at the paper, it was very, it was beneficial to have an understanding of what the writers were constructing. Yeah, um, sure. So, and then Practical Horseman's offices used to be about eight miles from me. I started my relationship with them back in the days of film. And uh, it was a you know, a lot of uh, last minute, do you have a photo of X so we can, you know, for this article? And I would grab my negative or my slide and drive it on over and drop it off. And, uh, you know, they haven't gotten rid of me since. <laughs> well, something worked. Yeah, <laughs> they're keeping you. Well, I think you're selling yourself slightly short because the way I hear it, you have amazing relationships too with, I mean, not just the publications, but the writers themselves. Like people really like you. They really trust you to get the shot to show them in the right light and to just be that welcoming presence so <laughs> thank you I mean everybody has a story to tell and I mean I think that's if I had to actually think about it that's probably the, what my approach is and celebrity has always been wasted on me I didn't have posters of actors or bands on my wall it was always horses geek you know like I find that people just want to be treated like people. QVC is local to me. And years ago when they were rebranding themselves, it had this big push to photograph everyone from the part-time dishwasher through the CEO and all their on-air talent. And um, I honestly don't remember how they found me, but I did a lot of the sort of off-hours weekend stuff that their in-house team was not in for. And I did a lot of the on-air celebrity stuff. Most people respond better if you just treat them as humans. 
and not suck up to them or ignore them. Sure. People. Well, people love you. Well, I want to know why horses? I mean, you've got posters on the wall. So did I. (laughs) Were you bit by the horse bug when you were a kid? I don't know when I was bitten by the horse bug. I mean, definitely not. My sister didn't ride. My mom, I think, took some lessons at some point, but I don't know what the initial germ was. And we were a one car family. And my dad worked for the Bureau of Standards in in, um, Maryland. Ironically, turned out to be right across the street from the practical horseman offices after they left Pennsylvania. Hey! Small (laughs) world. And one of the fellow scientists, his wife was a pony club instructor and their kids were the same age as me. And she was my first riding instructor. Invaluable, those first ones. Invaluable things, yes. My favorite lesson is don't run up behind your pony in the field. (laughs) (laughs) Did you learn that one the hard way? I did. I still remember that one. It also involves uh, trying to catch your breath. And uh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) never happened again. (laughs) Well, it stuck with you. It was a good lesson. It it did stick with me. (laughs) Now you get run over for other reasons. (laughs) No, yeah, exactly. And maybe they feel the the brand of those two hooves in my middle of my chest. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Double barreled. Bam. But you still loved it. You still rode and you still do horses today. So Exactly. And then I rode all through high school. I went to... um, the first Montessori high school in the country and we had a barn. So a lot of things that came out of the Thermont sales actually had a relationship with Rolling Acres, which is the Nicholson and Mary Lisa Leffler. And we would get some of their young ponies and have them for summer and camp and whatnot. And our, all our horses stayed there during the winter, um, field boarded at their place. So, uh, I had a little exposure to some of the top ponies. My last large pony, my my last junior year was she had been a large pony hunter champion in Maryland. Like, I don't remember how many years in a row. And she was too old to campaign, but she was really good with the kids. She'd go on a like, big fat rubber snaffle with the kids and be half asleep. And then when I would ride her, I mean, she would run away with me um, <laughs> in a, with a pelham. You know, like, so she actually like, really taught me to ride. I actually had a judge come out of the booth one show um and say is that zelda and i said yes and she's like i used to show against her when i was a kid she looks fabulous so i mean she was in her 20s at that point in time and, and still jump around a 2-9 course i think that's Aww, right zelda i love that zelda. Name. yeah she was named for her breeder's mother i think oh it's <laughs> very sweet yeah actually uh, i have one photo that i thought i should send this in the jumping clinic for you know, many years. It, yeah. It's on my wall. Yeah. Well, do you still cute. have horses today or do you still ride in some way? I do not have horses. Um, I like to think that if I ride at least an hour a year, I can still consider myself a rider. I think I missed last year. Pandemic ah. quarantine. No. Right. Not that it was anything weird last year. No, no, no. <laughs> Uh, actually, with Jocelyn Pierce with Crack and I were out in California a number of years ago for uh, the Todd Minicus Winaday uh, Clinic. And you know, since we'd been out there, you know, we, we were done on Saturday. We had decided, you know, we'll we'll extend the trip, you know, on our own dime and stay for a day or two and you know do some bucket list things. And uh, mine was paddling in Monterey Bay with the sea otters and um, oh. sea sea lions, and hers was uh, riding up in Point Reyes. 
so we did a you know, three-hour trail ride up there, and it was, she was prepping to do the Mongol Derby, which she did complete, I think, the next year. So I thought, oh, three hours, that'll cover me for a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> but I think 2020 was the year that I, uh, I, that, that I was needed to get my hour in. That's right. Well, this year you'll make up for it. It'll be great. <laughs> yes, I, I guess I have to get two hours in this year, minimum. Well, I know that you do some video work for Dressage Today online, so you're watching all those amazing clinicians right and like talking through their lessons doesn't that make you itchy to ride like I can't watch somebody else ride and not want to ride myself very much so uh I'm actually editing a video right now and you know I don't really hear when I'm shooting because I'm thinking about so much like framing and what's happening and who I'm concentrating on and then there's the part in my head where it's like how am I editing this how do I make this a complete piece and I sort of don't really hear what's happening until I'm actually editing it and it's actually beats me on just on the half halt I'm like oh well that makes so much sense I don't know why it has been so difficult to grasp for so many years so I look forward to that hopefully I'm not the only one who finds it as educational as as I did, or it just clicked. But oh yeah, there's there's so much that you just come back and want to ride. You know, come back from Kentucky or athletic horses and athletic horse. I mean, I grew up doing the hunters, so you know, I like something that jumps round and you know uses its body and knees his nose. And but that can be over you know a giant ox or cross country or you know in the hunter ring or anything. Yeah, you know, I appreciate an athletic horse who can, you know, do a flying change at you know, a reigning horse that can do a flying change at speed. Yeah. <laughs> and and I still have yet to figure out those healers. <laughs> Amazing. I think if I was watching people like Philip Dutton ride around every day, like I don't know if that would be good for my confidence. Like <laughs> I, think exactly. I might be like, oh I actually don't know how to ride at all. <laughs> Yeah, it's it, and then suddenly I think hmm, maybe I don't want people to see me. <laughs> <laughs> right after no. that, yeah, <laughs> I hear ya. <laughs> Looking to improve your dressage basics or polish your Grand Prix movements? Check out Dressage Today On Demand's collection of over thirty-seven hundred training videos. Watch what you want, when you want, from your computer, tablet, or mobile device. Learn from top experts, including Carl Hester, Stefan Peters, Laura Graves, Janet Foy, George Williams, Scott Hassler, and many more. New content is added every week. Visit ondemand.dressagetoday.com for full details and try it for 10 days with our free trial. Well, the sea otters um, in California and loving horses, and I know you've got some pups, so it sounds like you're a lover of all critters. Yep, I have I have the, the two rescue clumber spaniels, and then I have some chickens, which are my volunteer workforce. I <laughs> donate my excess eggs to the food bank, you know, oh. since weekends tend to be a bit busy, and, uh, you know, there's no habitat for humanity home building for me. I donate my eggs, <laughs> their eggs. Uh, and then I uh, have some bees, three hives. We'll see what happens after the winter because they're fascinating. And uh, who knows? Wow, you've got a regular little hobby farm there. Oh, you know, it's uh, it's something. I made uh, suet cakes for the birds last night because I have become the crazy bird lady who 
person who cooks for the birds. Um, Easy chicken lady, watch out. Exactly. I, know. I haven't ba- baked bread yet, but uh, there is some yeast in my refrigerator. She's ready. <laughs> Sometimes you just need to push away from the computer. I have a bad habit of just sitting here all day and uh, I do need to find other things to do. Keep you busy. <laughs> a little busy body, uh, I busy, Busy is good. Ch- changing the uh, you know, visual distance. Uh, definitely felt my eyesight uh, change this past year. Too much staring at screens. I hear that. Man, oh man. Well, let's talk a little bit about advice. What is one thing that you wish you had known before you began your career? Basic business would have been very helpful. Just structuring a business and, you know, taxes and all those boring things. But I mean, I was lucky or I'm glad that my track has been being employed and getting a regular paycheck to then developing and going out on my own because you know, it gave me a, a foundation of people that I had already met. I wasn't just starting out cold and trying to, you know, make a start in the in the industry. I mean, even while I was doing my you know, daily newspaper work, I was still working for myself and, and doing equestrian work. I guess you know, looking at it at this point in my life is diversifying and you know, basically having more than one egg in your basket. You know, not just one client, not just one area of knowledge. Uh, you know, I mean, I started off as a photographer and then that time of the paper, we, you know, added you know, video. So that actually, that made me really marketable a number of years ago. And then, I mean, I do some web work and, and you know, I've, I've managed a number of websites, both commercial and retail wise and, and individually commercial. You know, I didn't go out searching for that, but it just sort of fell in my lap. And there is something to be said for the you know, regular source of income. Diversifying, I guess, is uh, would be my biggest piece of advice. That's great advice. And I mean, you are diverse in your talents and skills and your skill set, um, but you're also diverse in what you photograph, which is really cool too. I mean, it's not just, you know, eventing. It's not just horses even. It's so many things. Yeah. A horse is actually really difficult for me to shoot when I first started because... You know, I guess the adage is, uh, you know, write what you know, but photographing what you know is I found difficult because, uh, you know, you'd sort of seen it. Someone's picking out a hook, but that photo fills many needs editorially. Um, I don't think I could have enough joint injection shots. And, and while the competitions are fun and there's a, you know, the excitement and, and the adrenaline and the camaraderie and it's the day to day stuff that pays the bills in this day and age, you know, the, the winner is it's old news by the time I pick up my cameras and get back to the to my computer. Someone in the stands has posted something from you know their phone or whatnot. So every publication does a you know spring shot story. So having you know those those practical images are the things that for the most part don't get old. Um, I did a quarantine photo. You set it up at at my barn when I was riding with a you know keep out sign and a bottle of bleach and a bucket and some boots and a pitchfork and stuck one of the horses in the stalls. And I mean, the, that series is probably close to 10 years old and something from it get used every year. Well, it's not the sexy out front, you know, I got to be at XYZ place. That is the business. Yeah, definitely. Well, and just being on the little bit of the editorial side that I, you know, interact with, you hit the nail on the head. That is the content we need more than anything. And we're so thankful for people like you that have those photos ready to go because pictures worth a thousand words, right? The article can only be so good if it doesn't have the visual to go with it. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I would have loved, I did a little bit of, you know, self-assigning this, this 
past year and, you know, had some contacts who said, sure, come out. We're, you know, vetting horses, injecting and flexing and whatnot. And, uh, you know, pre-purchase photos, those, again, could never have enough of them. You know, here's a bay horse, here's a chestnut horse, here's a warm blood, here's a quarter horse. It doesn't matter. Vetting pre-purchase is, you know, gets used a lot. I wish I could have done more. But, you know, most of the clinics are, you know, shut down to anyone coming in and going out onto people's farms is, you know, that outside contact. So that was my decision to sit down and actually dive into the folders that I haven't keyworded. And amazingly, there's a bunch of stuff that's practical that I've shot cross country with like someone walking back after they've fallen off or, uh, you know, someone falling off. (laughs) Yeah, we need all that stuff (laughs) for sure. What advice would you give to someone looking to pursue a career as a photographer? I think you want to develop a style, but you don't want to be trapped by it post-production or they're just, there's so many things. Uh, I think when I started, I never wanted to look at anyone else's work because I didn't want to be accused of copying them. But I've gotten over that. I can be inspired by other people now and say, oh, wow, I really like the way they lit that how is that applicable to something I would do or where would I use this? And not just equine photographers. I feel like the equine world, and maybe it's just because I see it, you know, that's what I'm looking at a lot, you know, has its trends. Um, Some of them are new. Some of them are, you know, recycled. Everything old is new again. The Dutch tilt, Dutch angle, you know, basically shooting crooked. You know, I like to call it horizontal. It's an old film technique. And actually, I think it's might have gone back to some painting. Um, But yeah, it's uh, but it's funny. In the past couple of years, it's become very popular again. I chuckle reinventing the wheel, I guess. (laughs) Watching things change and come back. There's no wrong or right. It's photography. Well, that is all great advice. And I love it. Even though the photography space has gotten so competitive, like there's just I feel like anybody who, you know, owns a nice camera now claims to be a photographer. So (laughs) I think yes, there, there is that. People. That is one of your biggest challenges. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there's that. <laughs> and there's that. We'll leave it there. Well, Amy, in your own words, what does it mean to you to be an equine industry professional? I really like the community that it is and the camaraderie of it. That's one thing I really I have missed this past year is there are not a lot of international events. There is the sort of that, you know, there's a core group. If you're traveling, you know, you're in a hotel together and or dinner or, you know, just walking a course or being in the press room and and just that camaraderie of of people. I guess being part of that community has been very important or has come to be important. Yeah. Well, that relates back to your philosophy of everyone has a story to tell. And once you know those stories of your community and you appreciate them, that that builds community all by itself. Very good point. Yes. Exactly. Oh, Amy, thank you so much for coming on the show and just sharing with us, you know, your perspective and some of your fun stories. I'm sure that you could talk about your offer for days and days. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Just to sort of close it out, I'm sure that people listening um, definitely want to see the images you've taken, you know, connect with you, see the work that you've done. So what's the best place that the audience, the listeners can do that? So you can, uh, my Instagram is uh, Dragoo Photo, D-R-A-G-O-O. P-H-O-T-O. The business Facebook page is uh, AK Dragoo Photography. So those are probably the most active platforms. There's always a new platform. So true. (laughs) Well, perfect. Well, check her out on Instagram, follow you on Facebook. Um, You can see some of her awesome photos. I also just adore your captions because they make me laugh and they make me like relook at the photo and think, 
okay, there's a story here. So definitely check those out too. You definitely have to use Fish Duet then. <laughs> fish Duet, okay. Fish Duet. It's in the gallery I sent you. Perfect. It was the highlight of Kentucky a couple of years ago. It makes me laugh every time I look at it. <laughs> I love it. Well, um, can you just leave us with some food for thought? Like, what do you want the listeners to think about and take away from this episode with you, Amy? I think everyone can be a photographer and it doesn't matter what your equipment is. Look at things differently and see things, you know, be open to the funny moment or the artistic moment. It doesn't necessarily just have to be knees to nose over the fence. There's there's a lot happening behind that, whether it be grooms or owners or people or spectators or you know, a random dog. Just be visually aware. Thanks for writing along. Know someone that would be great to interview? Have questions you'd like answered on the podcast? Send me an email at beyondthesaddlepodcast at gmail.com or join the conversation on social media. You can connect with us and learn more about the Beyond the Saddle podcast by following us on Facebook and Instagram at Beyond the Saddle Podcast. Find more episodes anywhere that you get your podcasts, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and more. Beyond the Saddle is a production of the Equine Podcast Network, an entity of Equine Network, LLC. Thanks again to our episode sponsor. Visit ondemand.dressagetoday.com to learn more.